Welcome to the podcast for the North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. Now let us turn to this week's scripture and sermon, and let us begin with a prayer. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, let us meditate upon these things. Amen. Who am I? Who is God? These questions have been asked across history and across cultures. Some have sought comfort in the answers. Others have found growth in the inability to find them. In Hebrew, the word to proclaim God is Yahweh, which translates as I am who I am. The grammar is reflexive. The subject defines itself. There's a lot of familiarity and recognition in that phrase. I am who I am. There's also a lot of ambiguity and unexplored territory. Who am I? Can be defined by what we have been in the past, the choices we make in the present, or who we will be in the future. There's a lot of ground to cover. I hope I'm not the only one who hopes that I am not more or of one of these states than any of the others. I agree with the great American poet Walt Whitman. I contain multitudes. If one human being is a Tetris game of the past, present, and future, how much more multifaceted may God be? After all, are we not made in the divine image? The hymn that opened this sermon suggests God is breath. Breath of God, breath of peace. Each phrase widens our scope of how the divine presence shows up in all the matter that we inhale and in all the energy that we exhale. But God is more than breath. In fact, there are hundreds of images of God in the Bible. This past Mother's Day, my prayer shared at least 12 of those that were female. In the Hebrew Bible, there are at least 16 different proper names for God. Psalm 104 celebrates breath as an image of the creating and the sustaining presence of the divine. It's Pentecost Sunday. And so we celebrate the arrival of divinity on the scene in a new iteration as Holy Spirit, or at least we think it's new. Divine presence ushers forth with new actions and gives us new language, particularly verbs for how God shows up for us, advocating, inspiring, translating, ablazing, sustaining, praying, before Jesus leaves the narrative in the written scriptures, Jesus intimates that the Spirit is coming. 
This arrival will bring a freshness and a passion to the faithful. Yet, even though the entrance is grand in that book of Acts, the work of the Spirit, or shall we say the Spirit of the Spirit, is not new. The Spirit has been inspiring, translating, and sustaining from the beginning of all creation. It's interesting for me to lift up Psalm 104 as the lectionary text for this Pentecost. Psalm 104 is a creation story. God makes a home and a purpose for every element. Every plant and animal has a place and tools to survive. They are also in the position to give to others. No thing, organic or inorganic, is an object in this cosmos. Each is a being, and I am. And the possibilities of how they are to be in this world changes. They are made as receivers and as givers, each in their own way. The botanist and Native American Robin Wall Kimmerer speaks of the shift in her mindset that happened when she finally learned her tribal language. Potawatomi. Plants and animals are treated as more sentient beings than what the English pronoun it implies in her language. Waterfalls, oceans, and rivers are not nouns, but verbs describing the many movements and shapes of water. In this way, water is truly alive, changing and transforming and taking new shapes. She writes, to be a bay releases water from its bondage and lets it live. To be a bay holds the wonder that for this moment, the living water has decided to shelter itself between these shores conversing with the cedar roots and the waterfowl. Because as water, it could do otherwise. It could become a stream or an ocean or a waterfall. Identifying the elements of creation through verbs allows us to see the complexity of what is existing and being themselves around us. What does it mean to be a wolf? Fierce or loyal, threatening or caring, there are many ways to see the plants and animals and things around us. In her tribal language, the verb to be is spoken as Yahweh. The connection to the sacred Hebrew term is not lost on her. To be is to have breath of life within, she says. To be is to be the offspring of creation. In our psalm today, praising God the Creator, we see the Spirit too. When the breath of life is withdrawn, the animate beings return to dust. When the Spirit is sent forth, the face of the earth is renewed. God in this psalm is not merely the ocean who incubates millions of species. But God is also the bay setting boundaries between shores and conversing with the roots of trees and the flocks of birds. 
now that Pentecost has arrived, we can celebrate the fullness of the Godhead. We can let God break the walls that our nouns and pronouns have placed around God and let God be the verb God demonstrates God is. is Pentecost Sunday, but next week is Trinity Sunday, when we celebrate that for Christians, we are both monotheists and multitudinous. How can we contain multitudes while our earthmates are either prey or predator, while our God is either father, son, or ghost? Now I know the Trinity is confusing. The Holy Spirit may have descended on the early church in such a way that all who were present speaking in other tongues could suddenly understand each other? But the Spirit's arrival also complicated a question that the church would argue for centuries. Who is God, the Father or Jesus? For at least the first 400 years, this binary fueled a lot of arguments and generated a few creeds. I'd like to suggest that the Spirit is essential to unlocking this question, because identifying three iterations of the divine love is like naming a living thing by a verb rather than by a noun. The possibilities multiply. What we are professing in the Trinity is not that God can only be creator, redeemer, and sustainer, but that God can be anywhere, everywhere, in birth, in crisis, and in between. St. Augustine wrote extensively on the Trinity. What's interesting to me is how many different triads he developed to explain the three-in-one. They weren't all titles for people either. Listen to some of the terms Augustine used for God. One God, the beginning of all things, the wisdom by which every soul is wise, and the gift by which all things blessed are blessed. The origin to which we return, the pattern we follow after, and the grace by which we are reconciled. The one who loves, the one who is loved, and the life force that binds these. A paraphrase I use for that often, often end a sermon with it, is lover, beloved, and love itself. 
Another idea of Augustine's that I read this week, I have paraphrased to say life giver, wisdom former, and joy blesser. Is this not how God works? The creator gives us life. The redeemer reforms our understanding and the spirit sustains us through the gift of joy. Now these groupings are just the tip of the iceberg. Augustine developed ideas about God in threes throughout his prayers and his essays all his life. In line with the Greek understanding of sentient beings, Augustine also described how humankind embodied the divine image through the use of a triad. What made us human was our capacity for understanding, for memory, and for charity. Now, early and medieval Christians continued this devotional practice and delighted in its creative power. Julian of Norwich called God by many names, like Lord, Mother Christ, Wisdom Spirit. Gregory of Nyssa praised the Trinitarian stance as one that expressed the ineffable and non-conceptual nature of God because of the way our minds are refreshed when we think in this way. Refreshed, like a cool glass of water. This is the effect singing a new doxology should have on our souls. Augustine put it this way, saying that when we have identified the three interconnected essences of God as we see them, we have found not the thing itself, but where it is to be sought. And that will suffice to give us a point from which a fresh start may be undertaken. The Trinity, as many have said before, is less of a staid doctrine and more of an active dance, the perichoresis. Like its arrival in the church on Pentecost, the Spirit does not complete the impenetrable triumphant of divine power, but rather breaks open our fixed conceptions about God. The Spirit appears at the point from which a fresh start may be taken. Rethinking the boxes that we place on ourselves and the environment in which we live can also break us open. Speaking inclusively invites more possibilities to experience divine love, present and active in the world. I think of how the Potawatomi people capture the fluidity of water when they use the word to be before a bay or a stream or an ocean. I wonder how this fluidity may be harnessed by activists that challenge our binaries for race and gender. To have the choice between three pronouns to describe genders, for instance, in he, she, and they, or to challenge the hegemony of whiteness, breaks open our either or mindset and makes room to see ourselves as a larger continuum where a multiplicity connects us. We live in that connection, not in the polarities. 
adding to the language we use about ourselves and for each other won't change our past, but it could expand our futures. I invite you, therefore, not to pressure yourself to understand the Trinity as a doctrine, but to embrace it as a practice. Experiment with your names for God and your phrases to describe divinity when present in your life. Perhaps as you listen to the third meditation by the choir, you will be inspired to speak in a tongue of your own and write down as many names for God as you know or as you wish to meet. Maybe you'll even share those in the chat with the rest of us. Breath, word, voice. It sounds like a combination Augustine might say, we too embody when we seek God. These three words express how the Trinity is alive in our speech and our actions. Creative will, understanding, and expression. May you have all these in your search for the great I am. And may you never be without the companionship of the holy verb that creates, redeems, and sustains as you travel through this life and beyond. Amen.